Praise God. Amen. On this weekend of Thanksgiving, we have much to be thankful for, don't we? I, I love history, or at least studying it. Some of it I don't love, but I like reading history. And I spent some time these last few days reading history. History about Thanksgiving. It's quite the study when you begin looking just in our nation at days of Thanksgiving that have been proclaimed throughout history by different ones. Some names you would know, and some I had to look up. You may know them. Of course, the day that we now celebrate was proclaimed at the time by uh, President Abraham Lincoln that the last Thursday of November would be a day of Thanksgiving. But there were many days of thanksgiving proclaimed along the journey before by states and by... This isn't political if you think I'm getting ready to go somewhere political here. But as I was reading all of these different days of thanksgiving, they were very specific when they talked about days of thanksgiving. Matter of fact, they would proclaim a day of thanksgiving and fasting. (laughs) We do thanksgiving and feasting. Um, But... They would often proclaim a a day of thanksgiving and fasting. And what I realized is they were proclaiming those things. It was always about who thanks was giving to. And throughout our history, it was always about giving thanks to the Lord for his blessing, for his favor, for his goodness, for his protection, for his... It was always about giving thanks to the Lord. And I thought as I was reading all of this through history, we still celebrate Thanksgiving as a nation. But if the object, if the one to whom thanks is to be given is lost, then the value of Thanksgiving is lost. It's about who we're giving thanks to. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. From the Father of light in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning, the scripture says. If you've got a good gift, if you've got a perfect, that word perfect gift means a complete one. It came from him. Amen. If you had trouble in your life that directed you to him, that trouble was a good gift from the Lord. You have a problem in your life that rerouted your steps towards him. It was a gift of the Lord. Amen. I give thanks today to him who alone is worthy. I thank you today for your worship. What a beautiful spirit of worship. I believe it is pleasing to the Lord. Could we just one more time lift our voice and our hands and our hearts? Come on, I believe it's a sweet aroma to God, not to a man, not to be seen of men, but to him who alone is worthy. Jesus, we worship you. I pray that our offering of praise would be acceptable in your sight, that you would be glorified in our worship. We praise your holy name. We magnify you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship you, the one true living God. We magnify you today. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you for the drawing of your spirit. 
thank you for the beckoning of your spirit. Thank you for the washing of the word and the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Amen. I want a heart of thanksgiving. Don't you? I'm not going to teach or preach, I don't think, about Thanksgiving today. But we, we, it's a good time while you're in that mindset. We need a heart of thanksgiving. A heart of gratitude. I don't want a spirit that's critical. I want a spirit that's thankful. Amen? I want a heart of... It doesn't take much to find things to complain about. But you know, if I change my focus, it doesn't take much to find things to be thankful for either. A heart of gratitude. You know, studies have shown people that continually express thanks and gratitude have proven to live happier lives than those that don't. What are you thankful for? Not just during this season, but every day. I want a heart of gratitude. I want a heart of gratitude. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I am going to dismiss teachers to their classrooms. I know it's, uh, I thank God for all of you that are here this morning. If you're a guest, I start calling names, I'll get in trouble, but we're honored that you're here. I mean that, Bobby, Tabitha, thank you for being with us this morning. Good to have Christina with us today. We're honored that you're here. Amen. Always good to have Sister Mary's mom with us. And I said I wasn't going to call names. Now I'm doing that. I'm going to get in trouble. But it's, it's just wonderful for, to be in the house of the Lord today. Aren't you glad you're in his presence? What a privilege that is and an honor. If you're here a second time, you're not a guest anymore. That's, so if I skipped over your name, that's why. Would you, you just hear? Or if I haven't got to meet you yet, I look forward to doing that. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We've come to glorify him. He's the reason. He's the reason. He's the reason. In Jesus' name, praise God. I'm going to dismiss children ages 4 to 11 to their classes. And then those of you that remain, you can feel free to be seated this morning. Praise God. Praise God. What a beautiful presence of the Lord. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord today. While, while the children are making their way downstairs and some parents will make their way back, I, I want to take just a moment. We're going to go into the Word in a second, but I want to take a moment. The Spirit of the Lord's not going anywhere. All right. He's right here. And we're going to dive into the Word. I believe He's going to talk with us. He's already dealing with our hearts. And He deals with our hearts, and then His Word begins to speak to our life. And so we're going to go in the Word in a moment. But I, I want to pause just a minute. Um, how many of you knew that Life Church had a website? Raise your hand. Maybe 50%, 60%, so-so. Okay. We're going to try to see if we can make that show up up here. I'm going to put the tech guys in on the spot right now. And uh, they're going to show how amazing they are. So... That's not showing up too well. I'm going to turn off some lights up here just for a second. That may help the, that help a little bit. Okay. 
So obviously it's a little small from your perspective, but I want you to see this. Uh, so when you come, this is the home page. This is when you come. This is where you'll land. Oh, thank you. Look how amazing they are. They just made it bigger. Made it feel like I did that. So I should have waved my hand or something. You know? um, when you go to the home page, it's very basic. It lists the four congregations. Uh, they won't click on those today, but if you click on them, it just tells you location and times. There's no, we're, we're simple. Um, but what I want to draw your attention to, just so you're aware, there's a resource that's out there. Anybody interested in resources? And, um, and so you'll see this link here that says the Timothy Project. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and click on that. I, I just want you to know this is here. This is something we began working on in the last few months. Um, I taught a series of classes some years ago, probably 20 years ago when I was still in Puyallup. Uh, we started what was called the Timothy Project, and I taught a series. And Bishop had reached out a few weeks ago or maybe a month and a half ago and said, hey, I think it's time to restart the Timothy Project. And so uh, just scroll up just a little bit since that scripture's on there. Or, sorry, scroll down, I guess I should say. So, notice 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 and verse 15. Paul told Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Need to commit these things to faithful men. The word men there isn't gender specific. He means faithful people, faithful mankind. Why would he commit those things to them? Who shall be able to teach others also? All right. And then verse 15, he says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, not to men. Study. What is he talking about? He's talking about studying the word. Study to show yourself to prove to God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? So we all have a responsibility to study the word of God. All right? Sometimes there's, I, I don't think so in this congregation, but I know at times in my life I've been, where there's been this idea, well, the preacher's supposed to study and just tell me. Well, no. We all have a responsibility. If you've been here any length of time, you heard me say, see what the Word says. See what the Word says. See what the Word says. Amen? And so we need to study. But we need resources sometimes. So if you'll scroll up just a little more. There, that direction. Yeah. So you'll see here on this page, and this will continue to grow, just so you're aware. Uh, you'll see right now four different uh, links there. And those all expand. If you click on any one, so example, search for truth, lessons and questions. There are video lessons. You can watch somebody teach a lesson. These are basic fundamental doctrines of Scripture. And then following, there's a list of questions. You can click those and then print those and write out your answers and see, did I grasp the concepts? Okay, This isn't about how fast, but if you're looking for resources to walk through the Word. We can meet here every night of the week, I promise, but we just, we're busy. And so, therefore, we're putting these resources out there. Uh, kingdom concepts, those are things that we feel like are vital principles that have been taught along the way. Financial is just some biblical teaching on finances. 
Prophecy is what it says. There's some things about going on, and now there's a lot of interest in what's happening in our world because of where we are in time. So I just want you to know those resources are out there so you're aware. Uh, I think you and I would be enriched by taking time to use them along the journey. Okay? I can tell you uh, there's a pretty good chance that if you teach a home Bible study, if you teach a home group, that somewhere along this journey pretty soon I'm going to come to you and ask you to go through that series of lessons, uh, the Search for Truth Lessons and Questions, and then give those lesson answers back to me. What is that? You say, man, he's checking up on me. I'll tell you what that is. That's called accountability. And why do we have accountability? Why do we want to provide these things? I'll tell you why. Because if you go back in church history and you look and you begin to study and you look at history, less than 300 years after Christ, we already, not even before the scripture is done, we see the word of God begin to be twisted and perverted and changed by men. Okay? John warned of it. Jude, in his letter, he warned of it. Why? Because it was already happened. John said there's already the spirit of Antichrist that's working. He was talking about things that are creeping into the... And so fundamental doctrines are vital and important. And so that resource is there. Amen? The website, just so you know, is ourlifechurch.org. O-U-R, lifechurch.org. Okay? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for doing that, gentlemen. You're amazing. God bless you. Would you grab your Bible this morning with me? I, I will mention this. I referenced that area there of prophecy. I have never been a prophecy teacher, if you will. Uh, I believe in prophecy, obviously. Um, and I don't know that I'm going to become a prophecy teacher anytime soon. Uh, just because that's not what the Lord's called or directed me to do, not because I'm opposed to that in any way. Now, having said that, I'm going to tell you this. The Lord has had me in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation for the last probably five to six weeks. And um, I believe that uh, on Thursday night, we're going to start into some things from Daniel and Revelation that speak of time. And speak of the church and speak of prophecy. Um, and it will go as many Thursday nights as the Lord chooses. Um, but if you have an interest in where we are in time and understanding what the Bible says about time, I am not the expert by any means and I'm not going to attempt to be, but I feel a responsibility to share with you some basic principles, foundational things of the Word of God that it has to say about time. And the church and where we are. And I believe the scripture makes it pretty clear about where we are right now. And I think as we walk through some of Daniel and Revelation, just the first three chapters of Revelation, you'll get a glimpse and recognize with me, ah, this is where we are. From the word. Okay? 
Sometimes we like to make the word, ooh, it's like, ooh, this is sort of mysterious and mystical. And we, people take things and twist them to try to make it fit something that happened. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. We're just going to look at what the Word says. What does the Word tell us about the time in which we live? And what do we see from the Scripture that gives us some glimpse of time and the church? And I believe you'll walk away together. I believe we'll walk away and go, that makes sense. The Word of God makes sense. And it's important for us to have this basic foundational things that we'll talk about. Okay? So that will start Thursday night, Bible study, 7 o'clock. Amen? Would you go with me to the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 1. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing here to the church at Ephesus. And I want you to see verse number 5 is where I'd like us to start. Paul is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this about him. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Did you catch that? King James English is fun sometimes, I know. Having predestinated us. Who's us? question (laughs) you're like us (laughs) yes us he's writing to the church having predestinated us unto the adoption of children I I didn't think I was going to talk about adoption today but I didn't think I was going to talk about it last week either and here we are all of a sudden I didn't realize this was in this part of scripture unto the adoption of children by Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will Now, we're going to read just a little bit further, so stay right there. But I want to say something quickly here. Some people get a little twisted up in the word when we see the word predestinated. Oh, well, if I'm predestined, why does it matter what I do? God's already predestined. Hold on a minute. We don't believe in that type of predestination. Like, oh, God's picked and chose who will and won't make it, so it doesn't matter. I I think that's, um, who is it that teaches that? Where did that come from? Is that Luther? Calvinism, thank you. I knew one of those guys. Yeah, we, we don't believe Calvinism in terms of predestination like, well, it's pre-selected for you already. Some are going to make it. Some aren't. God de- decided that ahead of time. No, 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 no. That's not what the writer's saying. We know that because if we study all of Scripture, that doesn't bear out. Okay? The reason we know that bears, doesn't bear out, I'll give you one verse. And Peter, Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It's the word. And so if God's not willing, it means it's the will of God that no man would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's the word. So if he predestinated and he chose some to perish and some to make it, that would be contradictory 
to the word of God that God's not willing that any should perish. Does that make sense? All right. But I do believe in predestination according to Ephesians. God predestined that every life would be adopted. But here's the deal. He lets you choose. He lets you choose. His destiny for your life, his predetermined destiny for your life is that he would adopt you unto himself. Is that what he said? Adoption of children by Christ to himself. We can read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's what he's saying here too. He predetermined that if you would choose to allow him to do so, he's already paid the price, he's already made a way, he's already opened the door, he is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's already determined that you could be adopted by him. All right? That's what it means when he says predestinated. But he didn't take away your choice. If he did that, he would be violating his word. Does that make sense this morning? Okay, so we need to understand that. And he did this according to the good pleasure of his will. It's his pleasure to adopt you. It's not like some painful, laborious thing that he has to choose you and put his name on you. That's what he wants to do. All right, verse 6. Let's get where I think we're going. He did all of this to the praise of the glory of His grace. Watch. This is what I want us to see this morning. Wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You see that? I want those words to sink into your spirit. He has made us accepted in the beloved I wish you would say that but instead of saying us I wish you would say he's made me he has made me accepted in the beloved this is God's predestined determination for you when you choose to allow him to adopt you accepted I talked last week about the idea of adoption and the fact that someone wanted me. This is the acceptance of the Lord. He was saying, I predetermined that I would do whatever it takes to rescue you and make you my own. I want you to know that I've accepted you in the beloved. Now watch. Somebody needs to understand that this morning. You are of value to him. And he has predetermined destiny on your life. How do I know that? Because of the word of God. Predetermined destiny is predestination. But he doesn't force you to go his predetermined destiny for your life. He lets you choose whether he can adopt you and have his way in your life or not. But when you choose and you acknowledge, I'm done saying I'm not worthy. We settled that a long time ago that I'm not worthy. 
but I'm made worthy and I'm made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. By his sacrifice for my life, he made the way to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He made the way for you and I to get from sin to him by paying the price for my sin and yours in order to bring you and I to himself and adopt us to himself so that we could become children of God. He did all of that without ever removing your freedom of choice. You still get to choose. Now here's what happens. If I choose not to be adopted, the longer I go down that course, the less worthy I feel to be adopted. Because the deceiver continues to feed the lie. Look at the mess you've made of your life. Look at the cause. You've, look at all this junk you've done. Look, and you understand what the adversary is doing. The scripture talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, right? And the scripture tells us the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal or fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what are we fighting against the longer we go of our own choosing rather than the adoption of the Lord? Well, the adversary begins to come against, you know what, because the mess you've made of your life, you can never be adopted now. He'll find someone more worthy of adoption than you. What is the adversary doing? He's throwing out lies that are contrary to what God has already done for you. You understand, there's nothing you can do that would make the blood of Jesus incapable of cleansing you. You're not that powerful. But you simply acknowledge he made a way for me. I'm not running to him because I deserve it. I'm running to him because he made a way. I'm running to him because he said, I'll adopt you. And I'd love to be adopted. I'd love to be accepted in the beloved. I'd love for him to choose me and put his name on my life. And he made a way for me to get to him. He's the way. This is why he came and gave his life. That's why Jesus could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's the way. The way that you and I can get from a sinful state to a place of being made whole. There ain't a one of you in this room that's made so much of a mess of your life that he can't make you whole. Not a one of you. And there's not a one of us here that did any of it that got us to the place where we are in God by our own doing or our own ability. It was the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God that reached to me where I was in a lost and sinful state. And when I fell and faltered and made a mess and fell into sin, it was the love of God that reached again and rescued me and brought me out of darkness into His marvelous light. 
He is the only reason I can stand here in His grace. I didn't do it of myself. I didn't produce it because I'm a good person. Don't let the suit and tie fool you. It's only the goodness of God. And it's true for every one of us. He has predestined you and I to be accepted in the Beloved. He predestined you to be accepted. You may be in a place in your life where it feels like nobody accepts me. Nobody wants me. Nobody wants anything to do with me. Nobody cares about me. Someone, please hear today, if it's only one someone, he cares for you. He has a determined destiny for your life that was laid out from the beginning of time. He knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. He put his name there for you, desiring to adopt you you to himself this is the desire of God he's made us we didn't make ourselves accepted he made us accepted you understand go to Luke chapter 15 we're going to see this in action Luke chapter 15 we find Jesus telling the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. Remember that story? The lost sheep, he left the 90 and the 9 to go after the one that was lost. The lost coin, the woman swept the house until she found it. The lost son, the father waited the father waited. The father waited. He didn't go get him. Why? Because the son knew where the house was. He knew where the house was. And so the father waited. Now watch. Luke 15. So this, I'm going to give you the quick version, and then we'll read. We find this son who comes to his father and says, Father, give me my inheritance, my portion. He takes it, and the Bible says, the Lord sharing this parable said that this young man went out, and he wasted his substance with riotous living. He went out and lived the way he wanted to live. Just wasted the substance he'd been given. Wasted the opportunity given when the father granted him his inheritance. And as time would go, the Bible says, then a famine arose in the land. If you listen to some ministry that Brother Flowers did a few weeks ago, he talked about a famine arising in the land. You know, you can spend everything you got. Then as if that's not bad enough, then all of a sudden all the resources dry up. That's what happened. There's a famine in the land. And so then, just to make it, this boy who came from the house of his father finds himself just to survive working in pig pens. He ended up in a place in life where he never thought he would end up. Anybody relate to that? Man, I got somewhere I never thought I'd end up. I never thought I'd be in this place, but now... That's what happened to this young man. He ended up in a place he never thought he would be. 
And if you understand the story, speaking to the Jews, for this boy to be feeding pigs was the lowest of lows because a pig was an unclean animal and a Jew would have nothing to do with swine. But yet this boy, just to survive, has going to... It's helping us understand the lowliness of his estate at this point. He's now at the point where he's feeding unclean animals and he's eating what they would eat just to survive. And the Bible says, when he came to himself. In other words, he was not in his right mind. He was, he was operating... He'd done everything he knew to do, and it had just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. This is the result of me choosing without the Father's leading. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. And it finally says, when he came to himself, I don't know what happened that made him come to himself. But something happened, I believe, with all of my heart. Something happened there in that pig pen that shook him. I don't know if his... I don't know if the guy who brought the slop said something. I don't know. I don't know, but something happened that shook this boy. And he's like, what am I doing here? And I would this morning that the spirit of God that we have felt in worship would reach to somebody's heart and grip you in love in such a way that causes you to say, what am I doing here? Why am I living the life that I'm living when there's so much more that's available to me? I'm telling somebody there is an avenue through the Lord Jesus Christ where you can be accepted in the beloved. You don't have to live in a way that ends in a pig pen, but you can live in a way that is accepted of the Father. Adopted with his name on you, chosen by him to put his hand on your life for a destiny determined by him for you. And so we find this young man. He came to himself, verse 17. Watch. You ever have this? You ever talk to yourself? Anybody ever talk to yourself? We got a few honest people. Um, somebody once said it's when you start answering yourself, you get in trouble. My wife said she talks to herself because sometimes that's the only intelligent person she can have a conversation with. (laughs) She didn't say that. She might have thought it. But when he came to himself, he had this conversation. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about talking to the adversary. Sometimes we need to learn how to talk to ourselves and how not to talk to ourselves. If you're talking to yourself as, I'm worthless, I have no value, I don't deserve, I, you need to stop talking to yourself that way. You need to learn how the Father sees you. He said, I've accepted you into the beloved. Now, he said, here's his thinking, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I'm dying with hunger in this pig bin. Starting to think back to, wasn't so bad at dad's house. So he goes a little further, verse 13. He said, I'll get up. That's a good start right there. Somebody hear me. That's a good start right there. I will arise. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get up. I'm not going to just stay in this place. I'm not going to just sit here and say, God, hurry up and come help me. I'm going to take some responsibility. I'm going to get up. That's the first thing he said. And I'm going to go. 
I'm going to get up and I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to expect God to just come down into this pig pen and fix everything in the pig. Some people, some of you have this idea, well, if I pray, God will come and change all my circumstances and situations. He can do that. But if he cleans up your pig pen, you're going to turn it back into one. He's got to get you with a heart that says, I'm sick of this. I got to get up and I got to get out and I got to go somewhere. The situation's different. He said, I'm going to arise and I'm going to go. There's something on our part when I recognize God has destined me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to get up from where I've been. I'm not staying there. I'm going somewhere. I'm doing what I can do. And so he got up and he said, I'm going to go to my father. And then he, he rehearses. You ever rehearse a speech for somebody? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Usually that happens when you've done something wrong. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. Okay, let me see how. No, I don't want to. I can't lie. How can I? Right? You, anybody ever walk through one of those speeches? You know what I'm talking Right? I, we just need to understand. This is a, we need to realize. We need to make this real. Sometimes we read over this and we forget. No, the Lord was trying to help us understand humanity. And so this boy is writing a speech in his mind. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. I've made a mess. I'm acknowledging I've made a mess, but I've got to do something to change it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. I'm not just going anywhere. I'm not going to my so-called friends that helped me get in this mess. Somebody hear me. I'm not going to run to people that helped me get in this mess or that are living in a mess like I am. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go to my father. And this is what I'm going to say to him. Father, I've sinned against heaven. And before you. Now the beauty of that statement is. It tells me. He has a repentant heart. He's acknowledging. I've sinned. If I'll get up and I'll rise. And I'll come to him with a repentant heart. That's important. And I'm now. Here's where he gets himself in trouble. Because this is him talking. All of it is but. I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your servants. So he gets up, verse 20. He rose. He came to his father. But I want you to notice, when he was a great way off, his father saw him. You know what that tells me? His father was looking for him. He was watching. He was waiting. He saw him. He had compassion. The father had compassion. He ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. He was waiting on him. He, why? Because there's predestination set up on that boy's life. And just because the boy was ready to stop being called by the name of the father, the father wasn't ready to remove his name from the son. The son says, just make me a servant. I don't want to be your son. But the father saw him away off and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And look at the next verse. And he said, and the son, now the son goes into his speech, right? But uh, we just read that. I'm not worthy. I'm not. The father, look, the father didn't even respond. Sometimes when people talk in foolish, you just don't even need to respond. It's a little side note, but words of wisdom. Sometimes when people are speaking foolishness that's not true, you just don't need to respond. And the father wasn't even giving attention to that thought of I'm not worthy. Just make me a servant. I don't deserve to be your son. Not even giving it attention. The father turns to the servants. 
bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and his feet, shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost. But he's found. He was dead. As long as he was away from my house, he was dead. But he's come back. He's alive again. He was lost. But he's found. And they began to be buried. I want you to see something here. He was accepted in the beloved. You want to be a servant? I'm not settling for that. The day you were born to me, it was predetermined you were my son. The day you were filled with the Spirit of God, the day he baptized you with the Holy Ghost, he said, that's my child. I put my name there. I made my abode there. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, I want you to watch. I want you to see something. We need to recognize what happens here when he brings us back into the destiny that's set upon our lives. And I'm hurrying. Go back a couple verses for me, please. Verse 22. I want you to see the actions of the Father right here. Number one, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Now, I have a question for you. Don't overthink this. This boy has been living in a pig pen, right? Probably doesn't look the way he looked when he left the house. Is that a fair statement? He had to arise and go even though he looked like he looked. Sometimes you got to press through pride to get back to the father's house. He got up, he went, but he didn't look the way he looked when he left. Don't you know all the servants saw him coming too? And the father said, go get the best robe and put it on. I have a question for you. Do you think that the father said, don't worry about all that stink and all that stuff on him. Just cover it all up with my robe. I mean, really, do you think for a moment that the, uh, here, the best robe, who do you think owned the best robe in that house? Yeah. And so, I mean, do you really think for a moment that the father said, go get the best robe and just throw it over the top of all that mess? I don't think so. I think the father, they understood. Provide what's needed to clean him up. But my focus isn't on that. I want you to understand. I want him in condition to have the best robe. This is how I see him. Come here, Brother Mark. See. When they would look, they may just see the sun. Even after they clean him up, they still just look and see the sun. But then. 
His first thing is, this probably won't fit you. You can stick your arm in there, though, if you want to try. I promise you his hand will be down in the end of that sleeve somewhere. See if your other one fit. His shoulders are broader than mine. I don't think it'll fit. I have the athletic build. That's what they call the suit jacket, I mean. Not, I mean I... No, but here's the thing. So, no, don't leave. So here was the plan. The idea was when they looked, they didn't see the sun. The first thing they would see is what was on him. You with me? They would see the robe and everybody in the house. They may know it's the sun, but they also know something else. He's wearing the father's robe. That means the father has accepted him. And if the father's accepted him, then we accept him. Somebody needs a revelation. When he robed you in his righteousness, Isaiah called it the robe of righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship with God, right standing with God. What was the Lord saying? When my son was lost and he returned, I took him and I got him ready and I put the best robe on him. I put the robe of the father on him. I wanted everybody to see, yes, I've accepted him and that's all that matters. The first thing he does, thank you. The first thing he did was put the robe on him. It became a signifier to everybody else. The fathers covered him and the fathers accepted him. I want you to understand how the Lord works. Notice the next thing. Put a ring on his hand. This wasn't decorative jewelry. The ring meant something. The ring was a signet of the family. But it, the ring signified authority. He was my son when he left. And now that he's back, he's still my son. The authority that was on him when he left, I'm returning that authority to him as my son. I put the robe on him, and I want people to see the ring on his hand. I want them to look at him, and I want them to recognize I've covered him, and I put my authority back on him. Now watch. Put shoes on his feet. Shoes were an indicator of wealth in that day. Because unless you had means, you didn't have shoes. When they look at him, I don't want them thinking he came back needy. I want them to recognize everything he needs, I'll provide. Do you understand the work of the Father when he said he's predestined us to be accepted of the beloved? Everything you need is found in him. He will robe you in righteousness. He'll put authority in your life that you won't have any other way. He'll provide for you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and naturally. He puts shoes on his feet to say, I want them to see I'm restoring wealth to him. Now watch, he didn't stop there. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let's eat. I'm going to feed him too. I'm going to robe him in righteousness. I'm going to restore authority. They're not going to see him as someone lacking. And I'm going to feed him. And we're going to celebrate the return of my son. 
stand with me this morning, please? He has made us accepted in the beloved. You didn't do that for yourself. I didn't do that for myself. He has made us accepted in the beloved. As we were worshiping earlier today, and we were singing songs of praise and the love of God began to flow through this house as we began to lift him up. And you begin to feel, what were you identifying with? I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was the love of the Father. You were worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We were lifting him up together and he began to manifest his love to you and to I. It's him extending. I feel the Spirit of the Lord today running Running to whoever will receive him. Running and saying, this my son was lost but is now found. My son was dead but he's alive again. Put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Kill a fatted calf and let's eat. Let's rejoice. He's made a way for you. He's made a way for you. I'm opening this altar to you this morning. He's made a way for you. You do not have to live beneath privilege. He has predestined us to the adoption of sons. He has predestined us to the adoption of sons. He did not determine for you to be a servant. He desires for you to be a child of God. And therefore, he made a way for you to be adopted into the family of God. Don't disqualify yourself because of past mistakes. Don't disqualify yourself because you were in the pig pen yesterday. Don't disqualify yourself, but recognize he predestined you to the adoption of sons. He has a determined end for you and I. He has a determined end for you and I. Come on, the prophet said of the Lord, I know the plans I have for you to bring you to an expected end, an end of peace. It's what he has for you, a destiny for you. And he made the way through the cross, through the blood, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He would like to reconcile you to him. Through the blood, through the blood, through the blood, be reconciled unto God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's still room. There's still room. Hallelujah. Let the love of God and the Spirit of God minister to you. Why don't you find a place in the altar? Let the Father wrap his arms around you. Let him fall on your neck and minister to you in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, don't live beneath the privilege that's destined for you. Don't live beneath the privilege of predestination. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray a robe of righteousness. Come on, let him wash you. Let him wash over you and make you clean. And let him put a robe on you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. And sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owed broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. And you took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood 
There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls us sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, His blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls us sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, oh, His blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, his blood, that calls the sons and daughters, we are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light.
Come on, I'll receive the love of the Father. I'll receive the love of the Father. I'll receive your spirit of adoption, Lord. I'll receive your robe of righteousness. I'll receive your ring of authority. I'll receive what you offer to me, Lord. I come, I'll not settle to be a servant when you desire to make me a son. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, what you're feeling is the restoration work of the Father. 
What you're feeling is the restoration work of the Father. He's saying it's time to come home. It's time to come home. You have a place where you belong in the house of the Father. It's time to come home. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. name in Jesus name in Jesus name I'll receive of your love for me father Jesus we worship you Jesus we worship you Jesus we worship you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You know, oftentimes when we pray, we tell the Lord what we want. And that's okay. But sometimes we need to be willing and we have to express with our heart and our mouth what we receive. What we receive. And sometimes we have to be willing to express, Lord, I receive your love for me. Now, for some of you, you're like, of course, I receive it, Lord. But some of you, that's really hard to say because you don't believe he loves you. The adversary would send a lie that says because of your past, he can't love you completely. Well, there's nothing further from the truth. The word comes against that lie. Because the word says that he commends or proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He said, I'm going to make sure they know I love them. I'm going to do something for them even when they're not living for me. To prove how much I love them. So when the adversary says he doesn't love you anymore... All you got to do is point to the cross. You just got to point to the cross. How much does he love me? He did that for me in my lost condition. He did that for me when I was undone and broken and failure. He did that to make a way for me out of sin. He loves you. He loves you. Even if you don't know what it feels like to be loved, I'm telling you, he loves you. There's so many different people from so many different walks of life in this room. Some of you, you come from places where you've lived your whole life feeling like no one loved you. And the adversary would like to keep that in place so that you can't receive the love of the Father. But please hear the word of the Lord this morning. His love toward you is perfect. His love toward you is pure. You can't do anything that would make him not love you. 
Sometimes you just got to express, God, I'll receive your love. I'll receive your love. I'll receive your righteousness. Not because I deserve it. It's not about what I deserve. It's about what you're giving. And if you're giving, Lord, I'm, I'm receiving. I'll receive your love. I'll receive your righteousness for me. I'll receive it. My righteousness is filthy rags, but your righteousness. I'll take that robe of righteousness, Lord. I'll receive it of you. I'll receive it of you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Paul said, now are we the sons of God. He didn't say someday. Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Man, I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. He's got something planned for you and I. He has destiny on your life and mine. And He has made us accepted in the Beloved. He's made us accepted. Aren't you thankful today? Aren't you thankful today? Now the Spirit of God has done a sovereign work here this morning. Now we have to go forward in it. I need to say this. He put a robe on him. He put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, killed the calf, and they ate and they rejoiced. But then the son had to start living like a son. You with me? He didn't go, oh, man, this is wonderful. I'm going to head back out there, Lord. Father, thanks. I'll come check back in again when, when, it gets, when I end up in a pig pen again, Lord. I'll come running back home, Dad. I'm not trying to be unkind. We're just being real, okay? Some of us, what happens is we end up in a pig pen and we run back to the Father's house and he cleans and washes us, and we love the feeling. He feeds us, and we get a touch from the Father, the blessing of the Father. And then we rejoice, and then we get done, and we get up, and we walk out of the Father's house and go right back to the pig pen. You need to just close some doors. Just close some doors. I'm not going back. Closing doors... Sometimes means cutting off relationships. You with me? I'm not saying kick people to the curb. You understand the difference? I have to recognize their influence in my life is not a good godly influence. And if I continue to go back into that relationship in any way, it, it doesn't lead me. It pulls me from the Father's house. So I have to determine those things. And then as I begin to let the Father fully restore me, fully restore relationship, fully restore His Spirit working in my life, what happens is those very relationships that I cut off because they would have drugged me back, they begin looking. They're like, something happened to you. And whatever's happened to you, I want. And you can turn to them and say, come with me to my Father's house. He's adopting whosoever will. You understand? 
He is adopting whosoever will. There's room at the table. There's room in the house. He's adopting whosoever will. It's a spirit of adoption that's going into the world today. I'm not just stuck on something the last couple of weeks. There is a spirit of adoption that's going to a lost world that's saying, there's a place for you. I'll put my name on you. You can be accepted in the beloved. You have a place in the family of God. In Jesus' name, could we thank him this morning? Could we thank our Father? The Lord Jesus, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Our confidence is in you. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. We worship you this morning. We magnify you, the living God. You are holy, you are holy, you are holy. And we worship you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you. You just let gratitude flow out of your lips this morning. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. One more thing, and I promise I'll let you go. The scripture is clear. Whom the Father loves, He does what? He corrects. Now, here's the challenge when the love of God begins to correct us. Because we all come from varied backgrounds and life experiences, there's a pretty good chance that we may have experienced correction in the wrong way. Does that make sense? We experience correction from somebody that abused authority. Or we experience correction from someone that took advantage or hurt us. That's not proper correction. But what happens is if that is a life experience, then when the love of the Father begins to correct us, we go back to these feelings of low self-worth and something's wrong with me. And I, those are rooted in the past, not in our Father who loves us and is correcting us. Does that make sense this morning? We need to understand that. Because the Lord, our Father, He will correct us. And so we have to recognize His motive is always love. Paul said, you had earthly fathers and they corrected you and you gave them honor. 
But your heavenly father, when he corrects you, it's in love. And it's that it would be profitable for you. And so we know a return to the father. Now, he's not going to come with a big stick and beat us upside the head. Thank the Lord. Sometimes that's probably what it would take to get my attention because I'm stubborn. But he's going to come in love. He's going to correct, instruct, and he's going to lead us in the way of righteousness. And it will bring glory and honor to the Father. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. I just feel like I'd like to thank him one more time. I feel such a presence of the Lord here. He's just so good. Could you lift your voice and your hands and your hearts one more time? Would you give the Lord thanks? If he's done anything in your life today, would you give him the glory? We worship you, Jesus. We praise you this morning. It is you alone that's worthy, for it's you that does the work. We magnify you, the living God. We worship you, the Holy One. Jesus, we praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you. Please greet someone today in Jesus' holy name. Thank you for being with us. You're dismissed.